This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And he is host of Simply Real Estate. He's also founder and president of The Simple Investor. He is Todd C. Slater. I am Ian Grant. Good afternoon and welcome to Simply Real Estate. Todd, welcome to September. Yeah, you know, Ian, it just seems like the summer, (laughs) boy, did it ever go by fast. But I got to tell you, I bet anybody anybody out there that had the ride of their lives for the last two weeks Mm. on the stock market, wow. All I did was I kept sitting there watching, you know, the, the markets go up and down and up and down and losses and gains and this and that. And I thought, wow, I wonder how their stomach feels. Hopefully they knew enough to turn off the TV and just... Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, you know, and and one of the best, you know, advice that anybody can have is, you know, you don't jump at the smallest downturn. Mm-hmm. You hang on and most of the stuff, you know, they end up coming back and some people actually did okay. One of the, so. one of the huge investment companies in the States did a survey where they tried to find out what their best performing accounts were. And by a landslide, the best performing accounts they owned, people had died five to six years ago. They just didn't touch them. They left them alone and they performed well. Uh, so note to self, if you're looking for a good investor, <laughs> check, exactly. check the obituaries. I don't don't, know. Don't, don't mess with what you don't know. Uh, oh, we had a boy. very interesting story in Toronto's beach this week with yet another million dollar property. Yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta start wondering. You know, you know, I've been I've been telling you, you know, for the last I say two years that you know the market it's kind of in check. You know, people are buying what they need to buy, and and I understand why people will buy something overpay a little because they're trying to buy that piece of land. But it's interesting because this this house that was sold in the beaches there, I I just you know what you you saw the story, I saw the story, the fact that when people start advertising buyer beware, bring a flashlight because the power has been shut off. You know, it's like, as is, where is, you start having all these disclosures. Really what they're doing is they're buying a piece of, of land. Land, absolutely. But the way the media played it up is that, you know, they, they're, they're trying to make everybody believe that, oh, you know, even the worst house in the world can be worth a million dollars. Well, you know what? knock the house down, guess what the property's going to sell for? It's going to sell for a million dollars. I think they're going to make way more than that. I mean, it's south of Queen. It's right beside the beach. It's a very big lot. And yeah, the the, the building on there is dilapidated, but nobody was buying it for the building anyway. No, and they don't. And this is this is where, you know, I think, you know, in in the forms that we, we use, I think we have to be very careful in what we have to set as far as expectations go. Because a lot of people out there are saying, wow, you know, a complete, a complete junker, you know, and the, but their mindset is they still think somebody's going to try to fix it or live in it. And it's like, hang on, folks. They wanted the land. They wanted the location. That's really what this was all about. But yet, if you listen to the media, they're hyping it at like craziness. You know, I saw it on the front page of the star and they, and you know, you know, big, big, you know, comments of, you know, and you needed a flashlight to take a look at it. Well, how about, I think they just wanted to take a look at the piece of property and figure out the rest. It it reminds me of a joke of the guy kept going across the border every day with a wheelbarrow full of sand and they kept searching through the sand. They could never find anything. And after two or three years, they said, (laughs) what are you doing? He said, I'm smuggling wheelbarrows. You know, if you don't, if you don't understand the picture, uh, the house that we sold was exactly the same. The interesting part though is I'm discovering there's two kinds of people. There's people that can look at that and see what it could 
be, and there's people that just cannot get past what it is. Yep. And those are those are actually the buyers that are sitting there and they want to walk in, everything finished, you know, fit and polished, don't want to hear any issues. You know, these are the people that a lot of times the, the, the smoke and mirrors will fool them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, somebody goes in and, you know, that house that, that did sell, somebody could technically go in probably and, you know, put a couple hundred grand into it from a renovation perspective, you know, if you have to shore up a foundation and change some wiring, do a few things. Mm -hmm. And ultimately in the end, you know, they could turn around and they could just make it this shiny penny and somebody's going to come around and go, Hey, I'm going to buy it. And they'll pay another 300,000 on top of all the expenses Mm -hmm. plus everything else, just because the work is done. And, you know, we've got to watch. And one of the things that we have to encourage people out there that are listening and thinking about real estate in today's marketplace don't always look for the shiny penny. You know, Ian, you and I have talked about this a lot. You know, uh, you, you've moved into a new house. You know, mm-hmm. our listeners know that you did that this summer. And you knew there was something coming up to be done to your home, but you accepted the fact. Do you know there's people that would turn around and walk away from a deal on that premise alone that, if, you know, if you need to replace a furnace or if you need to replace a power panel, they'd say, no, I don't want to get involved in it. And so they turn around, they walk away. One of the one of the houses we did walk away from, we walked away because of mold and some other issues. And honestly, they could probably, I bet you 20 grand would have fixed the problem. Or if they had done a pre-sale inspection, then they would have been able to tell us there's a problem and prepare us for that. Instead, we walked into this thing blind and went, oh, if that's the problem, there's got to be more. Let's get out of here. Exactly. And this is this is one of the things that we're looking at from a market perspective today that, you know, good houses sell bad houses sell. The truth is houses will sell when they're priced correctly. It doesn't matter. You know, we keep talking about what's going on in the market. It was interesting because this week there were some things that were released and, you know, I had to chuckle about this because again, nobody's going to want to hear that I'm chuckling over Calgary right now. But ultimately in the end, Calgary turned around and is like, they're saying, oh, steep declines um, in, in the housing market there. And I think the overall numbers are off by 26%. Mm. But that's not the price that's off. The prices were only down 1.7%, but yet they were saying that 26%, you know, less uh, units were sold. But when you listen to the article or you read the article, all of a sudden it sounds like the prices have dropped by 26%. So yeah, really have to be careful with what you read. And this is one of the things that, you know, I have to, I always emphasize when we start looking at the Toronto markets, the Vancouver markets, the, the markets that can face a decline, make sure you understand number of units versus price. Because really the price didn't come off much at all. Even if the numbers are down that low, the price has not dropped. In fact, in some of their in some of their price ranges, it's actually gotten more active. But are the numbers that low because the price didn't drop? I mean if I'm shopping in Calgary now, I'm either gonna get a really good deal or I'm not buying there in the first place. Well, you know, there are deals to be had. You know, they didn't have the increase, you know, year over year. You know, we look at our marketplace here and we're seeing, you know, six, eight, ten percent mm. increases. And so they didn't have that. So for some people, that's a deal. So if the market hasn't gone up and it's the same as last year, then people want to jump on the bandwagon. So by seeing a little bit, bit of a decrease, so let's say it goes down by one or two percent, all of a sudden they say, wow, that's that's incredible. That's like a 12% savings in a market like Toronto is today. But, you know, we have to keep, we have to always be careful on how we gauge markets because again, you know, I don't, I, I get so annoyed at, at some of these reporting agencies that are sitting there saying one day 
one bank is claiming there's not going to be an adjustment. <laughs> yeah. There's no bubble. There's right. nothing to be seen. And the next day, the market's overheated by 30%. The next day, you know, the next bank releases saying, oh, no, it's fine. You know, maybe soft landing. Next one, the sky is falling. And you've got all these people that are sitting there. There is not one, you know, consistent message out there. And I think that's one of the things that you and I like to do. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we're the voice of reason because, you know, listening to this stuff, I'm thinking to myself, first of all, the market's not going to correct by 30%, but it's also not going to continue on, you know, the the incredible pace that it's had for the last 10 years. I could be labeled irresponsible and have been many times in the past, but I'll tell you, when we were looking, I couldn't care less what the market was at. Because, and I'm thinking of Calgary also, if I was buying, I'm buying for my reasons, not necessarily because I'm working in oil well, but maybe because my parents live there, because I like a school there, because whatever my reason is, I don't care what the market's like, because I'm not going to have to worry about that for 20 years. Well, that's an important fact. And I think most people have to understand that if you're a speculator, these are not the markets you play in. If you're going to be an owner, then you have no reason not to hop into the markets. Because with the interest rates, and I know everybody keeps going on about interest rates. Oh, they're going to eventually go up. Really? You know what? They're going to be staying kind of low and flat for a long, long period of time. And it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter who should win the election, you know, coming up. Um, They can't attack the interest rates. They can't push the Bank of Canada up. They're not going to be able to, you know, our economy sits where it sits. So interest rates are going to stay in check for a while. And by doing so, people can lock in for a long period of time. The point of sanity that I hit when, when I was talking to you with was, and you're absolutely right, if you're locking in for five years, your mortgage is paid down by five years when you go to renew. Therefore, you know, even if it does, and it's not, as you said, it's not like it's going to go up eight points or anything like that. So... Even if it does go up a little, you're still five years paying down that mortgage. Yeah, your your mortgage drops by 15% if you use a 25-year amortization. Your mortgage drops by 15% within that first five years. It starts speeding up, and, and, and as you continue on, will actually speed up and, and, and pay off a little bit more. But 15% is your first five-year term that you'll pay down, okay? And 15% less when you take a look at it. You know, if, if an entire market adjusted on you, you know, by 10%, you're still ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people are saying, yeah, but hang on, doesn't that mean I lost the 10%? Only if you sell. But if if you've bought something, and you've said this to me, is that you've bought a house that you feel your family will be there for many, many years, then you can ride it out, you know? And again... You know, the the people that lose are the ones that sell. Yeah. The people that gain are the ones that keep. Well, we are open talking about it with the stock market. I mean, assuming you made it through the last three weeks without tinkering with your account and everything else, the sky didn't fall and the world is good again. I wonder why we're so, I guess it's a sort of bandwagon sports fans. People are so hung up on real estate and interest rates and all that. And the bottom line is you find the property, you pay what you think is a fair price, you wake up the next morning and that price was okay in your head. Good yep. for you. You did it. Ultimately, in the end, it's waking up the next morning and being comfortable with it. It's the knee-jerk reaction when you sit there the next morning and you're staring at the ceiling going, what did, what I, did I just I do? do? Yeah. You know, and you wake up and you have the shakes. That is not a good real estate purchase. And and this is why, you know, we've always talked about this, and, and, and I know our listeners know this, is that you have to be comfortable with what you're spending. Never force yourself into a situation where you're overspending and spending more than you feel you can handle. Always keep it within a certain reason. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, properties and what you can do with them, there is so much you can do to improve your properties. 
And, um, you know, I think that's what we should talk about in the next segment. Let's do it. Is, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about how people can improve their properties and how they can make, them a, make a little bit more money on a resale if they do it. I'm Ian Grant. He is host of Simply Real Estate. He is founder and president of The Simple Investor, Todd C. Slater. You can reach him 905-812-2524 or check out his website, thesimpleinvestor.com. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Welcome back. I'm Ian Grant. He is host of Simply Real Estate. He is also founder and president of The Simple Investor, Todd C. Slater. If you want to get his information, by the way, Todd's website is thesimpleinvestor.com. Just before we went away, we were talking about, uh, and you're going to go into some of the things that people can do when they're preparing to sell their house to get the best bang for their buck without putting three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 into improving it. Well, you know, one of the things that I recognized for years in real estate is that curb appeal is so important. And hmm. a lot of people, you know, they're not sure what that means. You know, do they have to spend a ton of money on landscaping or what can they do? So a couple of tips. First of all, and uh, you know, if you've got a front lawn, make sure it's well cut, trimmed, everything else. So this is, we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit of physical work you can put in, or if you have to hire somebody to do it, but, you know, make sure the, the, the lawn is well cut. Make sure that the walkway doesn't have grass growing up in it. So, you know, if you have to pull it out, make sure it's weeded. If you have a front door, make sure that front door has been recently painted, or if it's in really rough shape, you know, go to Home Depot, spend a few hundred dollars and put a brand new front door on. <laughs> okay. Really important. Now, Depending on your home, if you have a garage, now, you know, a lot of the uh, houses in Toronto, they're in behind, you know, they're down through a laneway. Mm -hmm. Um, Having the garage door painted is also key. So if it is attached to the house, you've got to make sure, match your garage door with your front door. Okay. Don't get crazy with colors. Don't turn it into a smarty box. (laughs) Make sure that it's consistent. Now, one of the things that I always tell people is that if you can get potted plants, you know, nice outdoor ones that you don't have to water a lot, they can handle a lot of sun, stick them out on the walkway. So when somebody comes walking Mm. in, you know, walking up, they see something. It just makes it feel better. Now, if you take all of those things, and other than a little bit of elbow grease, let's say cutting the grass, pulling the weeds, you know, trimming, trimming the garden beds, things like that you might've only spent a thousand dollars in total. And that's giving yourself a brand new front door, some paint here, some you know, flowers there. And you're only in for a thousand dollars, but the outside, when somebody pulls up, mm-hmm. it's inviting. And this is what you always want to do because if your house is not a complete knockdown, like, look, if it was that house that we were talking about earlier in exactly. the beaches, okay, yeah. you don't do that kind of thing. You know, you, you, they've already told you, wear steel toe shoes coming into this place kind of thing. But if you're trying to turn around and maximize the dollar, Okay, get the best impression out of somebody, somebody that may be doing renovations or or the house is in good shape. Then what you want to do is make sure the curb appeal is, it's so important. You know what? Trim your trees. So many people, Ian, they turn around, they say, oh, but I like it so natural. No, get them, you know, prune them up. Okay, see the house. When somebody turns around and says, you know, they can't, and when they say, I can't see the house, you know, through the forest, you know, there's a problem there. Yeah. Okay, people need streetscape, and that's so important that they focus on this. Now, the other thing is, and it's interesting, because when you typically look at any home, you know, if it's been lived in for a while, you have to paint it. And that is the number one tip for people. Paint Mm -hmm. your house. You know what? Have a painting party. It doesn't have to be exact. (laughs) You know, do what you have to do. Keep the colors warm, neutral, you know, 
white trim is always the best. You know, don't get too fancy with things, but nice, fresh paint. Because when somebody walks in, you know, it's so important that it looks clean. When they start, when you start seeing crayon all over the walls and it looks yeah. like somebody's been an artist, but they were 20 years ago and mm-hmm. they just left it up for, you know, for memories, you want to get rid of some of that. And a lot of people sit there and they say, well, hang on, but it's our home. Yes. But you need to sometimes depersonalize your house mm-hmm. so somebody can personalize it in their head so when they come walking in the door you know they see what they have in the house not your stuff and it's really tough to do but you know what that's some of the best advice you can get is make sure you depersonalize the house to a certain extent i think it's a great point in that you're trying to create an environment where the person wants to live you're not trying to convince them to move into your environment and e- live there exactly it's a, also a good area though where uh, for me i would just hand it off to the real estate agent because i don't know that i could get outside my own comfort zone to do that yep. so just do whatever needs to be done and make this place hardest thing you know what you, you you get you call one of those companies that you know got junk whatever you turn around have them come in yeah, and absolutely. you literally just clean house one of the things that people make the mistake is that you know they figure that they can throw all their clutter into the corners of their house and people won't recognize it. But what it does is it reduces the size of the actual room. So when you look, you want a room to feel bigger than it is. So you reduce the, the amount of furniture, reduce what's in the, the, the room. Everything will feel bigger that way. You know, you want to, you want people to look at it and say, wow, you know, that big, that big sectional of ours, it will fit here because look, there's a smaller couch, but look, it's not up against the wall right. and there's so much room in these corners, it'll fit. So people have to be able to imagine their furniture, their lives in that house. So again, looking at your, your basic tips, you know, a lot of people, if you still have shower curtains, so if you have a standard four piece bath, which is, you know, your tub, your shower, you know, if you have one of those, get a fresh shower curtain. That's you a know great what? piece of advice. Go buy a brand new shower curtain, go to Bed Bath & Beyond, Home Sense, go wherever, to the dollar store. go to Walmart, yeah. go to the dollar store. And you know what? There's two There's two ways you do it. You, you, most people should just go nice, fresh white, keep it clean because mm-hmm. the white makes it look bigger. It's a bigger, a bigger, you know, slate that way. You know, don't get too crazy with it. But then if you do that and you keep it nice and clean, keep the countertops clean, you know, put everything in drawers or boxes, whatever you have to do, the bathrooms look bigger throw down a little bath mat, you know, nice coloring, whatever. And all of a sudden for 25 bucks, all of a sudden this bathroom looks fresh and new, you know, use, use white towels. So fresh white towels. If you're going to hang up towels, use white towels because what it does is it gives a spa feeling. Hmm. And the majority of people that walk into a bathroom, if they feel that it's spa like, they like it more. When you turn around and you have crazy colors, again, that's that, that whole smarty box, you know, philosophy. Mm -hmm. Some people can't handle color overload when they look at something, okay? So you walk into a bathroom and there's 16 different colors. <laughs> you walk into a bedroom, okay, yeah. and every wall is painted a different color, okay? You're going to have a problem. So what you have to do is you have to neutralize everything. Again, this is going to save people, you know, it's not big It's not big money, but these steps will help you definitely. It will change the impression mm. of the property and you'll get more money for it. One of the banks did a great commercial a year or so ago, and I don't remember who it was, but it was a great idea. And that was, took a drywall saw and uh, in the kitchen, they cut out the section of a door where they'd been measuring the kids' uh, heights, and he mounted it on a piece of wood, 
And they hung it up in the new house. Because I was just thinking, it's funny, what sure? got me there was, I was just thinking, taking that paint roller and rolling up the side of the door would kill me. Sure, of course Wiping it would. out that kind of history. Yeah, and you know what? I like the idea, and that, that's kind of neat, because you know what? Some people need to take history with them and, and do it. But what you do is you do it before. Before you show the house, mm. don't do it afterwards. Because so many times when people are selling a property, they turn around and said, yeah, but I didn't plan on including that. But the person that turned around and gave you the offer, they walked in and they saw it that way. He is host of Simply Real Estate. He is founder and president of The Simple Investor. He is Todd C. Slater. And his website, where you can get all his contact information, is thesimpleinvestor.com. His phone number, 905-812-2524. Take a quick break for traffic to talk when we come back. Let's talk about condominiums. As Simply Real Estate <laughs> continues on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And we're back. I'm Ian Grant, and this is Simply Real Estate. He is host of Simply Real Estate. He is also founder and president of The Simple Investor. All his contact information is at his website, thesimpleinvestor.com. Todd, this last week, uh, if you own a condo, and uh, if you own a condo building, I should say, and you have big antenna at the top of it, uh, this was probably a good week for you learning a whole bunch of stuff. Well, you know what? That uh, I, I think Mr. Trump, you know, he turned around and, as he says, size matters. Um, and in this case, I think it put a bit of a scare into a few people. You know, when you have to start closing down roads in downtown Toronto, I don't think you're building a strong brand <laughs> at that time. But the, I know it's not where we're going, but that building seems to have... It. Whatever could have gone wrong for it seems to have really hurt it, you know? And through yep. no fault of anyone's that I'm aware of, it was just... Yeah, you know what? Again, you know, we can, we, we can, we can, beat, we can beat this one, uh, you know, into the ground for a long, long time. Unfortunately, there are certain, you know, developments in Toronto that probably, you know, I think overstated or overshot what they thought they could achieve. And again, they didn't get the numbers that they were hoping for, couldn't deliver the product. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, anybody's at fault, but unfortunately certain markets don't necessarily play catch up to yeah. a certain idea. Now, in the case of the uh, the condominium situation and when you have an antenna, it was interesting because I was listening to, you know, you know, a lot of our, uh, a lot of our hosts here at the, at the station and, you know, they were debating this one around. So who is responsible? And they, you know, just because Trump's name's on it, they just turn around and automatically think, okay, he's at fault. And... You have to be very careful on who you assign blame when it comes down to a condominium. When, you know, we've talked a lot about this and if it can't be warranted um, by, let's say, a Tarion or the actual builder, um, then it's the responsibility of the condominium. You know, I was on, uh, we had, uh, you know, conversation with Jerry Agar a couple weeks back and it was interesting because somebody from Tarion decided to jump on some of the comments. You know, they fired off an email to us and just wanted mm -hmm. to clarify a few things. So they wanted me to clarify when I said to them, I said, listen, Tarion warranty normally covers, you know, up to, you know, the, the seven years. And they said, no, you must say definitely seven years. <sighs> I, I think everybody understands that Tarion covers seven years. But what can happen is builders can also put in their own warranties for certain things. So builders have the right to turn around and say, hey, listen, we're going to back this for an extra 10 years. Mm -hmm. You know, they can they can do that. A builder has the right. The Tarion rules fall under the, the, the seven. Now, interestingly enough, you know, again, you know, when we were talking about this, this was this was the case in the Vaughn property where the gentleman can't live in it because there was no insulation put in the house and the mold grew. And he was the second owner, bought it when it was probably two years two of age. Years, yeah. 
So they're trying to say, okay, who's at fault here? So one of the things is that, um, you know, people have to understand, the city has to sign off on an occupancy permit for somebody to live in a brand new property, or for that matter, if you've done renovations or you've done any work. So you need to have it signed off saying, okay, you're allowed to occupy, you've met the requirements. But you know, again, that you know, they want to jump all over it because I had said, well, Tarion will do an inspection. And it's like, you know, they misunderstood what I was saying because what'll happen is if there is a warranty claim, Tarion does have the right to go out and inspect it to find out do is it their cost or do right. can they put it onto the builder? Because it's the builder that has to rectify them. But ultimately in the end, Tarion has, you know, a hand in this and they can control the builder. So yeah, they will have to turn around if there's a claim and a claim is not getting settled and they, you know, it starts going to courts, then Tarion has to take a look at it because they are the insurer. They are, they are the ones who insure the builder's uh, workmanship. So this is the kind of stuff that, you know, again, from a public's per- perception, people have to know who takes care of who. Now, when you deal with a condominium in this case, and we're talking about, you know, the Trump building in the antenna, who put the antenna up there is the most important question. Was it, you know, was it, was it Bell Media? Was it Rogers? Who installed it? So whoever owns that antenna, normally the contract will dictate that they are responsible for the maintenance of it. Mm -hmm. Now, the building being the condominium now will get some kind of income for it being there. Okay. Now, unless of course, it wasn't used used as you know a, a something that people are using to transmit signals. If it's used for the building itself, and the condominium owns it, yeah. then the condominium is going to be responsible for it. Now, normally these things will have a maintenance contract on them. Okay, they don't just sit there and say, "Hi, we're sticking it on top of a building. Good luck. You know, if it falls over the next twenty years, your problem." Just like elevators, you know, there's maintenance contracts. So chances are there was a maintenance contract there, but it was unbelievable that it took two days for somebody to finally say, "Hey, it's okay." I, I didn't find it okay. I'm a, I guess there was a discussion because when I heard this stuff, I thought, "What are they going to actually talk about?" And then you just hit on what they're. I didn't think it was unreasonable. I didn't think it was unbelievable. They wanted to. Part of my other world is as a broadcast engineer, so I'm bouncing around the top uh, up on the roof at First Canadian Place, for example. Sure. And I can tell you, there's probably two dozen antennas up there, each one owned by a separate company. Whereas if you go to the CN Tower, there's basically one antenna where all the companies pay together for it to be combined and sent up there. Right. If in the case of the Trump building, especially because of the previous problems with falling glass and everything else, err on the side of caution. I don't care if the intersection's closed for a week. If you don't know what's going on, keep the damn thing closed. Yeah, and, and, and I would agree with that. Public safety is the most important aspect. And, you know, when we take a look at what's being currently built, you know, like even here at the station, you know, you look around, all you have to do is look up and everything just, you know, it's amazing how much is being built around yeah. us. But the safety issues that happen, both from workers that are building it and then the after, you know, the after effect, when we turn around and we look at condominiums, you know, down the road, a couple of years down the road, what's going to happen to these things when they start falling apart? And where's the liability? And what people have to understand is that Typically, the, the, the builder and the insurance company like a Tarion, okay, who will make sure that, you know, there's a builder warranty there for seven years. If it's seven years in one day and the glass falls, okay, <laughs> right. whose responsibility is, right. is it? It's the condominium now. Okay, the condominium ultimately becomes responsible for everything that happens. And who is part of the condominium? Each individual owner. So this is why we hear things such as special assessments. 
Okay, and a special assessment is that there's not enough money in a reserve fund, which is part of your maintenance fee goes into a reserve fund, which is held in a trust account, which will then accumulate over a period of time so it can offset large expenditures. Okay, and when we talk about condominiums, having a reserve fund is very important because things do come up, but you get start getting falling glass. This is mm-hmm. not something typically you'll have an engineer turn around and say, by the way, part of your reserve fund study, we think that that glass is going to fall, hit somebody, you're going to get sued for $5 million, mm-hmm. and your insurance is now going to go up fivefold. Now, all of a sudden, where's that money coming from? Right. Okay. So there's a lot of issues that people have to realize that when buying condominiums, that, you know, these are things you have to understand, be part of, you know, it's always good you know, for people to, to, you know, take a good look at it, especially with the new ones being built, what can happen to these buildings in the future? And, you know, if you're only going to own for three, four years, no problem. But the ones that are going to start hitting that 10 year mark, you and I both know, we've got some major buildings up here that are starting to hit 10 years and, you know, issues start arising and all of a sudden we're going to have some, some costs and people have to understand you're part of the condominium. You're going to have to pay the piper. Yeah. I felt bad about the Trump building more because I think it was that Canadian action of He's getting a little too big for his britches, so we got an, and not this event, but the entire building from it from the time yeah. it was built. There's that Canadian. We got to keep him down, you know. Make sure that he's humble, like the rest of us. Well, you know, and and you know, he's on the campaign trail right now. You mm-hmm. can't you can't turn on a U.S. You know show the, without him. Todd, it, it, there was an interesting point that came up though last week, and that was the dangers inherent in naming rights. I mean, whether it's the Bank of Montreal with First Canadian Place, Molson Amphitheater, the Ford Theater. People don't expect anyone from Ford to show up to fix the stage at the Ford Theater. They don't necessarily expect people from Molson at the amphitheater. But, oh, my God, were they ever ready to jump on Trump because of the building? Yeah, why didn't Donald fly up himself and (laughs) and shinny up the building? Or just hover in his helicopter and tell us what went wrong. It's funny how that disconnect absolutely was there. Yeah, you know what? And, and again, that's that's part of the impression that's out there, you know. And, again, look, he's... This is a presidential, you know, campaign that he's trying to go after and, and who knows where it's going to end up. I, I got to tell you, it's ra- rather entertaining, but truth be told, when we take a look at condominiums, the most important thing is, is that, listen, folks, when you own a condominium, you are responsible for some of the expenses of the condominium. That's he all. is Todd C. Slater. He is host of Simple Real Estate, founder and president of The Simple Investor, and you can reach him at 905-812-2524. His website is thesimpleinvestor.com. Quick break for traffic when we come back. Well, let's talk about the markets and the, and the investment real estate market. Now. All right, let's do that. I'm Ian Grant. Simply Real Estate continues on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. I'm Ian Grant. Welcome back. He is host of Simply Real Estate. He is founder and president of The Simple Investor. He is Todd C. Slater. And you can reach him at 905-812-2524. Website, simpleinvestor.com. And Todd, just before we proceed, it's worth pointing out that um, I'm not just giving out that number for fun. People use it. They call you. They get yeah. a lot of information. And you welcome those calls. Yeah, I do. You know, And, and I have to tell you, Ian, this was a really exciting summer we just had because I had a lot of our listeners come and see me. You know, we were talking about all sorts of different investment models out there. I had some that did uh, did come and I got, I got to tell you, one of the things that kind of started making me a little bit nervous was I've heard from a few people that have been going out taking some of these programs. And again, 
look, I'm all for education, but when the education starts outweighing the amount of a down payment mm. is where I think people have to caution themselves. And it was interesting because I had, had a gentleman call me this week and, you know, he's been listening to our show. And one of the things that he said was that he went to one of these seminars. And so, you know, it's so much for three days. And then they encourage you to go to the next level. And this then is they, not yours. Just no, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, folks, you, you, one thing we will always state, keep your credit card at home. There's nothing you can buy unless yeah. you're buying it. Unless you're buying real estate, you can't buy anything from us. But here's the truth is that, so this gentleman turned around and, you know, he, you get caught up in it because it, it's an incredible raw, raw, raw feeling. And everybody gets all excited and wound up. And then all of a sudden you start spending more and more money. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden at the end of it, you're into, you know, $40,000 U.S., for an education that clearly doesn't work in Canada. And when I spoke to him about it, he turned around and said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wholesale some properties here in Ontario, but it's not working for me. And I said to him, I said, where is the company based out of? And he said, the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, there's your first problem right there, is that when people are turning around and trying to teach U.S. style real estate investment here in Canada, they're already behind the eight ball because we have different rules. We don't have short shortfalls on mortgages that you can just swoop in and buy them for next to nothing. You know, you don't have the the same ability of foreclosures. Okay, when the banks do something power of sale, they have to sell it for market value. So all of these things that people are being taught, they're taught being taught. You know, flipping paper, using other people's money to do it, you know, getting out of the rat race, as they say. And ultimately, in the end, a lot of people do not succeed in this Mm -hmm. business model. Okay. That's the tough part is that they struggle with this style of of real estate in Canada because we're not set up the same way. Our, you know, our lenders just don't turn a blind eye and say, oh, yeah, whatever, we're just going to give you money. (laughs) Yeah, no, they don't. It's easy to understand, though, and you can't really blame the people because, for example, you know, you wake up on a Monday morning, go into work, you handed a manila envelope, you're fired, you can't sleep Monday night, you're sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden there's some clown on at 2 o'clock in the morning saying that he's coming to Toronto yep. this weekend, <laughs> you know, um, for a seminar. We're in your uh, area, yeah. <laughs> and you could make thousands and thousands of dollars a week. And if you've, yeah. if you've got, if you're in that area, if you're in the right headspace, it can sure. be an easy fall. It is. And, and you know, it sounds so attractive, and it sounds like anybody can do it. Yeah. And, you know, they only need this secret, this design of doing it. This And, and when people start throwing that out there, the secret... Okay, look, that was a good book, but it's not really the model for, there's no secrets in real estate. And, you know, you and I have talked about this. There is no secret in investment real estate, and there's no secret in buying a home, okay? You have to know the facts, you have to know your financing, you have to know what you can afford, and you have to know what you're buying, okay? There's no secret to that. Okay. There's not like, there's not something that I can teach somebody out of nowhere and all of a sudden, gazing, you're a millionaire. Because if that was the truth, then all of these guys, why are they selling it for, you know, 5,000 and 10,000? They should be billionaires. If their system works so well, why aren't they out there doing it? Yeah. They should be be running a church in the States instead of real estate. Well, look at, you know, and and a lot of it's very cultish. So one of the, one of the things that you have to focus on is if you're going to buy real estate, buy real estate. Okay. If you're going to be a real estate investor, invest in real estate. Okay. When people turn around and say, oh, I'm investing, you know, you need more education. 
So you can eventually become an, yeah. you know, an investor. Well, hang on. What is it that you're investing in? Okay, if you're investing in, you know, downloads and DVDs and uh, somebody to tell you that you need another course to get it to the next level, I think that's where you stop. Stop spending the money. Okay? I think if, if you feel like you're being taught a new career, I think that's the warning sign for me that, I mean, I have a job. I may want to find out more about what I'm interested in getting into, yep. but that doesn't mean that it has to be a 40 to 60 hour a week full-time job. Well, this is the thing. And if people do make it a full-time job and they're not making money, guess what the banks struggle with? Giving you financing. So then they want to teach every trick of the trade. Well, you get the the seller to hold all the money and you get somebody else's use other people's money, you know, get, get a, get a, you know, a lot of people, they want to do work with joint ventures and there's nothing wrong with good joint ventures because mm. there's lots of people and I'll always encourage joint ventures if people set out the parameters. So a joint venture is somebody giving the money and somebody else doing the physical work. So, you know, you and I could partner and you could say, Todd, listen, you know, I've got this much money. Why don't we buy a building together? We'll share, I'll give, put the money up. You do all the work. Well, that's a joint venture. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's a lot of opportunities out there in the, in the market for the people that do that. You know, one of the things in that, you know, and we, we had alluded to it earlier is that I do talk to a lot of, a lot of people. They do come and see me. And it's not just about talking about what we do. It's actually giving them, you know, more of an education, a better understanding, you know, clearing all the crap out and actually, you know, making sense of what they're trying to do. You know, we've got uh, we've got a lady that came to see us, and and their family had owned uh, an industrial unit for a long, long time. Um, you know, finally just couldn't manage it anymore. Decided to sell it. You know, went through the the ups and downs of selling it, but got it sold. But if you take a look at it, they owned it for years, did exceptionally well. You know, they were able to manage it for a long time on their own. And ultimately, in the end, it was a very, very successful investment. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one of the most important things that people have to understand. Owning real estate for a long time makes it an investment. Owning real estate for a very short period of time makes it a speculation. <laughs> what do you want to be, a speculator or an investor? Okay, and that's one of the things that we try to teach people. You know, you, you've mentioned we've got our, our, our first fall seminar coming mm -hmm. up, and it is the 24th of September, Thursday at 7 p.m., I always tell people, leave your credit card at home because there's nothing you can buy from me there. You know, what I do is I'm going to give everybody an overview of what makes sense and what you should be looking at in the markets and what you, what's a good idea to buy. And again, it's not just what we have because we only have a few units available right now for investors to pick up, but it's what you can gauge for yourself. So if you see something, then go through the criteria that we're trying to teach you. Take a look at something and say, okay, what makes sense? Mm. A lot of stuff out there doesn't make sense, but people get caught up in the hype saying, but I have to become an investor. I have to become an investor. And they pull the trigger. Right now, I just heard there was something uh, just recently released that they're saying that in the, in the Kitchener-Waterloo area for all those university rentals that are being built up, they've got a demand from 31,000 students that will need living space. Um, they're at 32,500 uh, suites that are out there and they're building another 7,000. So you're going <laughs> to have an overage, you're going to have overage probably of 9,000 units. So more than a quarter of the actual rental market will not get rented. So what are they going to do? And it was interesting because it, it was an in interesting article. And a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know what? Just, you know, normal people, executives will move in. 
And I thought to myself, yes, because that's what an executive would like to do is live beside a second year university student when they are doing what university students do. And you're going to live in the same building as them. Okay. So it's interesting. So again, keeping keeping investments in mind, we've got to make sure that we look at the right direction and where people need to go. And that's one of the reasons why I always offer, you know, the people who have the ability to just, you know, pick up the phone or come and see me. And part so. of that, I mean, we started by saying pick up the phone. And the nice thing about the simple investor is that it doesn't you don't need all the binders and all the DVDs and all the CDs. Mm. You can be as involved by calling you, by doing your own research, by finding yep. out as much as you want to know or you can just, as you said before, sit on the end of the pier, fish, and cash the check. Yeah, and that's 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 the real thing. I mean, you know, it was interesting because, you know, we've now, you know, we, we formed the company years and years ago. We've got hundreds of investors, and 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 you know, our we 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 keep growing. The one thing that I will always let people know is you own it. When you buy a unit mm. from us, you own it. We're not talking about a share. We're not talking about you know a group ownership. You own your own unit. What we do is we manage it for you. We have worked out a system. And look, it's not magical. And when you come to see me, I'll put the cards on the table and I can tell you right here, right now, we focus on a mature tenancy, a tenant that we know that's going to stay 5, 10, 15 years. That is the most important aspect when you are being a landlord is getting the right tenants, attracting them, keeping them managing them, set the expectations. As a landlord, you must set your expectations from day one. And this is where a lot of people will stumble. Well, our company is set up on setting an expectation from day one. Mm. Keeping the consistency allows us to be consistent to our investors. And, you know, it's a really important thing that people have to understand. If you're going to go do this on your own, and I will encourage people, because there are some people that, by all means, you should do it on your own. You have the ability, you know, you have the time. But one of the things that you have to worry about is consistency. And, you know, it's not so much about having, you know, just crazy, crazy cash flow. If you have, if you miss two to three months of rent every single right. year, if somebody comes in and they wreck your place, you are a nonprofit organization. And this is one of the things that we try to encourage people. Who listening out there should come to your seminar? Well, you know, it, it's kind of funny. This is, this is, you know, I don't want this to be an infomercial because it's not, you know, it's our show and, and we focus on, you know, giving people the straight facts. But anybody that's ever thought of owning investment real estate, anybody that owns currently investment real estate, but they're just looking for a way of doing it where they don't have to physically mm-hmm. do the work anymore, but they want to take advantage of it. You know what? You and I said it earlier. What does a tenant do best? Well, it's the same thing you do yourself when you make your mortgage payment. A tenant pays down your mortgage. If it's been done every single month, folks, five years from now, you have 15% less on that mortgage. Your rate of return with your down payment at 20% is 12% per year return just on that alone. Todd C. Slater, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ian, and I hope we've got some people that want to come and see us. Absolutely, and the Simple Seminar coming up Thursday, September the 24th at 7 o'clock. It's at the Mississauga Convention Center, and as we said earlier this hour a couple of times, Todd also offering a free consultation. If you can't wait for the seminar, if you want to just sit down, talk about how the Simple Investor Process can work for you, give him a call, 905-812-2524, 812-2524 or send them an email. You can find his contact information at thesimpleinvestor.com. I'm Ian Grant. This has been Simply Real Estate on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.